cross on Good Friday. And like the book of Luke tells us, we, like all the followers of Jesus, stood at a distance, alarmed and afraid. Because this thing that we were told was coming, but never really quite believed was actually coming, is now here and what do we do? And as we watch this violence unfold, it's very easy to understand how Luke tells us that the earliest followers, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, all who knew him, stood at a distance watching these things. And we can imagine their confusion, and we can imagine their dismay, and we can imagine their fear, and we can imagine their frustration, and we can imagine their anger, but also their confusion. That what is happening here? As we survey this wondrous cross, what is happening here? What are we looking at? Why are we seeing it? So, as we stand at a distance, because that's what we do as well, as we stand at a distance and watch these things, we're going to read through it together. And then we're going to discuss a little bit afterwards some of the things that I think that we see as we look at this cross from a distance. And we read in Luke chapter 23 that as the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon the Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put a cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. And a large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. And Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children, for the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that have never borne, the breasts that have never nursed. And then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? And two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And when, do they, when they came to that place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there and hurled insults at him, Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, Today you will be with me in paradise. And it was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. And the centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what had took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching this thing, watching these things. It's a lot to take in. Not only are they witnessing a public execution, one of the most violent public executions, one of the most violent methods of public execution that has ever existed in human history, 
Not only are they watching that, they're watching these signs and wonders in the sky. The sun, sun stops shining. They hear rumors that the veil of the temple was torn in two. The rocks shake, the earth moves, and they're wondering, what ought we to do with this? But into the midst of this, there are some things that, 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 that start to become clear to the people of God. And after time and thought and consideration and with reflection, they begin to, uh, to, 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 to come up with some ideas about what they might have seen. And I'm going to talk about three of the things that they saw that happened in the cross today. And the first thing that they saw on the cross is that the cross tells us the truth about ourselves. That the violence inflicted on Jesus tells us who we are. That we are not, uh, 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 we're not as, as, as optimistic as we would like to be. We're not as peace-loving as we would like to be. We're not as open and gentle as we would like to be. But the reality of the way that humans are is displayed in the violence done to Jesus on the cross. Writer Paul in Colossians writes about it this way. He says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, and he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. The cross demonstrates to us who we are and that any vain hope that we have that we're going to administrate ourselves into the kingdom of God, that we're going to organize ourselves into the kingdom of God, that we're going to politicize ourselves into the kingdom of God, and that if we just hang hang on long enough, the arc of the universe bends towards justice, the, the cross stands in stark contrast to that and says, no, the truth about who we are left to our own devices It's our thoughts of our only evil all the time, like it says in the book of Genesis about the time of Noah. We are violent, and we are vindictive, and we will destroy anything that we fear and anything that might be greater than us. But Jesus' death makes a public public spectacle of the things that people thought were going to save the world. People thought that the Roman Empire was going to save the world, that this, because of its size and its strength and its military might, was going to bring peace to the world, and instead, what did it bring? It brought the crushing of an innocent man. People thought that a religious adherence to a set of rules was going to, if everyone just behaved properly, that that was going to usher in the new era of peace and prosperity and save the world. And what did that do? It crushed an innocent person. Jesus' death makes public spectacle of the myth that we will rule ourselves better or that we will organize ourselves into paradise. The cross tells us the truth of who we are, that we are quite prepared to destroy each other and ourselves to get what we want. But in the midst of this, the cross also demonstrates to us the presence of God. That even in the midst of our worst, he is there. That, that this world in which we live has not been just set on its turning and God has washed his hands of it and removed himself from it. God is in the midst of this working for its redemption and reconciliation. We have not been abandoned. We have not been disowned. We have been not left spinning in the void. But that 
when you were dead in the sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, when everything was wrong with us, when all of our systems failed, and when all of our dreams of slowly and surely getting better and better have fallen by the wayside, in the midst of it, Jesus is there bearing the brunt of our error, bearing the brunt of our sin. Jesus demonstrates his ultimate skin in the game with humanity by, by existing on the cross, by, by walking there. He demonstrates the commitment of God to his creation and his fervent unwillingness to leave it alone. The cross demonstrates to us more than anywhere else that God is with us, that Emmanuel is here. But that's not the only thing. Because not only does it tell us the truth about ourselves, not only does the cross demonstrate the presence of God, the cross also provides the means of reconciliation. We don't stand far apart from God with that break in us and in ourselves wondering why we can't be what we ought to be. Because this is what it says in Colossians as well. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell on Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Once you felt like you did not belong anywhere, once you felt as if you were separate from everything, once you felt as that there was something wrong with you that couldn't ever be fixed, but in the midst of that feeling, the cross of Jesus Christ demonstrates that you have been reconciled to him, that you are without flaw and without blemish and free from accusation. This is incredibly important. And the language this, that this alludes to alludes to the sacrificial system, where in the sacrificial system they would take an animal and they would sacrifice it for the sins of the people. And this animal had to be perfect. It couldn't have an illness. It couldn't have uh, a, a, a scratch or a scar or a mark on it. It had to have been, it had to be perfect in every way. The, the, the most beautiful and wondrous and perfect lamb was what ought to be sacrificed. And what Paul is saying here is that in Jesus, you are that flawless. In Jesus, you are that perfect. In Jesus, you are that repaired and innocent. There is nothing that is separating you from the love of Christ because of what he has already done without blemish and free from accusation. And somehow, all of these things tie together and the cross demonstrates to us that through Jesus' own submission to our violence, somehow peace is made. And that there is no flaw in us. There's nothing broken in you that is beyond repair. You are free from accusation. That voice that you hear in your head that is saying you're not good enough, you're not right enough, you're not who you ought to be, that voice is lying. Because the cross of Christ has brought reconciliation to us, and you are free from accusation. So this demonstrates to us that now that we're at the cross, we see that in, even in the midst of our, earth, of our worst, that God is here. And the challenge for those of us who are here, as we as we are about to partake in communion, the challenge for us who are standing at the cross at a distance, full of wonder, wondering about these things, the challenge for us is to embrace the truth that this cross presents. 
to not merely be shocked at the violence, to not merely rush through to the resurrection, waiting for the joy, skipping the, 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 the misery of, of, of what the cross says in order to skip through to the joy that is found in the resurrection, but to stand here and recognize what the cross says to us, that, that we are broken be, it, deeply in ways that we cannot imagine. That, but yet, in the midst of that, God is with us. And in the midst of that, God has done everything that needs to take place to reconcile us to him, for us to be reconciled to each other, for us to be reconciled to ourselves, and most importantly, for us to be reconciled to God. All of that is done. So now, how do we live in it? And that is the challenge that we're left with. And that changes for all of us on a day-to-day basis, the how of how we live in this. But we know one of the things that we do to live out this is that we gather at this table and we remember that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my body broken for you. So when you see this tomorrow, make sense of this. This isn't meaningless violence. This isn't, this isn't something that hasn't been prepared for. This isn't something that is surprising. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you to bring about the new covenant in my blood, which is, shed, which is a for, for the forgiveness of sins. Don't think that what is happening tomorrow, as, as, you, as you stand at a distance at the cross, that, that it is meaningless. It is not. This is the new covenant in the blood of Christ. And it is that that we remember as we come here. So as we gather, and as we prepare to come forward for communion, I would just ask that we take a moment in prayer together. That, that in silence you wrestle with these issues, the truth about yourself. Maybe you're already well down the road of accepting that, you're, that, that, that there's something broken inside you that needs to re- repair. Maybe that's a new idea. And may, maybe, you're, maybe you need to really feel the presence of God in your life, that you feel abandoned and left alone. And this cross tells you that no, you are not. And maybe you need to feel free of accusation but all of that is happening in the cross. So as we take a moment in silent prayer together, let's prepare ourselves to remember the Lord's death till he comes again.